Coming from the words of the noble Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Abdullah ibn Baz rahimahullah ta'ala. We left off with the Sheikh he had mentioned that it is upon the individual to testify based upon knowledge, certainty, truthfulness. That Muhammad وسلم, the son of Abdullah, the son of Abdul Muttalib, he is the messenger of Allah, the truth. To all of the jinn and the mankind, to both species. And that he is the seal of the Anbiya. There is no prophet after him. It's as Allah Ta'ala states, Qul, Ya ayyuhal nas, inni rasulullahi ilaykum jami'ah. Say, O mankind, indeed I am the messenger of Allah to all of you. And this verse includes the jinn. Also the statement of Allah Azawajal, مَا كَانَ مُحَمَّدٌ أَبَا أَحَدٍ مِنْ رِجَالِكُمْ وَلَاكِرْ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ وَخَاتِمَ النَّبِيِّينَ Muhammad وسلم, he's not the father of any of you men. However, he is the messenger of Allah and the seal of the prophets. So we covered that from Allah's wisdom. He stated that the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, is the seal of the prophets. And he did not say the seal of the messengers. And that is because every prophet is every messenger is a prophet. But not every prophet is a messenger. So with Allah saying that He is the seal of the messengers, this also means that He is, with Allah saying that He is the seal of the prophets, this also means that He is the seal of the messengers. And the scholars mentioned, but had Allah mentioned that He is the seal of the messengers, then one can claim 
that he is not a messenger but just a prophet. And it shows that anyone who claims to be a messenger, then we say that this claim is a claim of falsehood because the Prophet is the seal of the prophets and every messenger is a prophet. The Shaykh mentions, فَعَلَى كُلِّ إِنْسَانِ وَعَلَى كُلِّ مُكَلِّفٍ مِنَ الْجِنُ وَالْإِنْسِ أَنْ يَعْبُدَ اللَّهَ وَحْدَهِ هَذَا حَقُّ اللَّهِ عَلَى عِبَادِهِ إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِيهِ يَجِبُ عَلَى جِمِعِ الثَّقَلَيْهِ جَنِّهِمْ وَإِنْسِهِمْ ذُقُورِهِمْ وَإِنَاثِهِمْ عَرَبِهِ ملوكهم وعامتهم عليهم جميعا أن يعبدوا الله بأداء ما فرض بأداء ما فرض وترك ما حرم وعليهم أن يحب أن أن يقصوه بالعبادة دون كل ما سوى قال الله تعالى وإلهكم إله واحد لا إله إلا هو الرحمن الرحيم وقال الله تعالى وما أمروا إلا ليعبدوا الله مفلسين له الدين ونفاء وقال سبحانه وقضى ربك يعني أمر ربك وأوصى ربك ألا تعبدوا إلا إياه الشيخ mentioned that it is obligatory upon every human being it is obligatory upon everyone who was held accountable amongst the jinn as well as mankind to worship Allah alone and this is the right of Allah upon his servants as Allah he mentions you alone we worship and you alone we seek for help so it is obligatory upon everyone from both species from the jinn of them and the mankind of them from the male of them and the female from amongst them from those who are Arab and those who are not Arab. From those who are rich and those who are not rich. Those who are poor. Upon the kings and upon the common folk, all of them, they are obligated to worship Allah. By way of fulfilling that which Allah has made obligatory. And leaving off that which Allah has made prohibited. And it is upon them to designate Allah alone with all acts of worship, excluding all who is other than Him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah ta'ala He states, In your ilah, your deity is one deity. And none has the right to be worshipped except for Him. He is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. He is the most merciful, the bestower of mercy. And Allah Ta'ala, He states, And they were not commanded except that they worship Allah sincerely, making their religion for Him as monotheists. And Allah Ta'ala, He states, And your Lord has judged, meaning your Lord has commanded, and your Lord has advised, that you are to worship no one except for Him. The Shaykh, He goes on to say, يقول جل وعلا إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين يعلمنا أن نقول إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين يعني نوحدك بدعائنا وخوفنا ورجائنا 
وصومنا وصلاتنا وذبحنا ونظرنا وغير ذلك من العبادات كله لله وحده كما قال الله عز وجل ذلك بأن الله هو الحق وأن ما يدعون من دونه هو الباطل فالذين يتقربون إلى الأصنام أو إلى الأموات من الأولياء أو غيرهم بالدعاء أو الرجاء أو الذبح أو النظر أو الاستغاثة قد عبدوا مع الله غيره وقد أشركوا بالله غيره ونقضوا قول لا إله إلا الله وخالفوا قوله تعالى إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين فالعبادة حق لله ليس لأحد فيها نصيب فالواجب على كل مكلف أن يعبد الله وحده والواجب على كل من لديه علم أن يعلم الناس وأن يرشد الناس وأن يعلم أهله ويرشد, ويرشد الناس إلى توحيد الله وإخلاص العبادة له جل وعلا قال الله تعالى يا أيها الذين آمنوا قوا أنفسكم وأهليكم نارا وقودها الناس والهجارة The Shaykh mentions رحمه الله In this surah Allah he states إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين The Shaykh he says Allah is teaching us to say إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين Meaning being that this is a surah that is obligatory upon us to recite in every raka'ah, in every prayer, this is teaching from Allah for us to be established upon this matter of worshipping Allah alone and seeking Allah's aid. Again, in Allah obligating upon his servants to recite Surah Al-Fatiha in every raka of every prayer. This is Allah Azawajal teaching us to be established upon worshipping him alone and seeking aid from him alone. So this means, meaning إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ You alone, Allah, we single out with our dua. And you alone we single out with our fear and with our hope and with our fasting and with our prayers and with our slaughtering and with our vows. And other than that, from the acts of ibadah, all of it being for Allah alone. Just as Allah Ta'ala He states, that is because Allah He is the truth and that which they call Him besides Him is false. So those who seek nearness to the idols, or to the dead from the awliya and other than them by making dua to them or having hope for something good from them or storing for them or making a vow for them or seeking relief from hardship by way of them then this individual has worship other than Allah along with Allah here the shaykh rahimahullah ta'ala after mentioning the statement of Allah, that is because Allah He is the truth. Meaning Allah is the true deity, the one who has the right to be worshipped. And that which they call on besides Him, it is false. Meaning, that which they worship besides Allah. Because dua, as the Prophet mentioned, ad-du'ahu al-ibadah. 
So Allah mentions in that which they call on, meaning that which they worship. Dua is one of the greatest acts of ibadah. Being that the Prophet ﷺ said, ibadah. Just like his statement, Al-Hajj Arafah. The Hajj is Arafah. Showing the importance of Arafah in relation to the Hajj. Likewise, his statement, ibadah. This shows the importance of Dua in relation to ibadah. That the Prophet said, it is ibadah itself. So those who call upon other than Allah, that which they call upon is false, meaning it's a false deity. And it doesn't matter who or what they call upon. Even if the people were to call upon the Prophet Muhammad this ibadah is false. We do not say that the Prophet Muhammad is a ta'gut, because the Prophet is not pleased with anyone worshipping him. He never commanded the people to worship him while he was alive. Rather, he warned against this affair. So the ibadah of the righteous, this worship is false. But those righteous men, we do not consider them to be from the tawahid, because they're not pleased with them. But that which they worship other than the righteous, from the idols, from the stones and the trees, or those individuals who are, who are pleased with being worshipped, who commanded the people to worship them, these individuals are from the Tawaheed. The Shaykh mentions these individuals have indeed associated other than Allah along with Allah. Meaning because of them directing that which is specifically for Allah to other than Allah. When you make dua to other than Allah, you're taking the right of Allah and giving it to someone else or something else. When you make a vow to other than Allah, that's the right of Allah. You're only supposed to make a vow in Allah's name. Or a person, he slaughters an animal and then he mentions other than the name of Allah. This is directing the rights of Allah to other than Allah. And this is the greatest crime that a person can commit. And the shaykh mentions, And they haven't validated the statement of La ilaha illallah. And this is an important matter mentioned by the shaykh. And that is, just because a person says La ilaha illallah, it doesn't mean that the individual can never do something that will invalidate his statement or her statement of La ilaha illallah. Some people, they say La ilaha illallah hundreds of times. But it doesn't benefit them. Why? Because they worship graves. Meaning the inhabitants of the graves. So what is the benefit in saying La ilaha illallah, La ilaha illallah, La ilaha illallah. But then the individual goes to the grave and he calls upon the sheikh in the grave. Ya sheikh, kada wa kada. Ya sheikh, my wife, she's sick. Help us. Ya and other than that. Or a person goes to the grave of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and says, Ya Muhammad, we are poor people, make us rich. This is shirk bilazim It doesn't matter the status of the one who's being called upon. 
the one who is being called upon no matter what status he may have is other than Allah Azzawajal. And this is no fault of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Or no fault of the righteous scholars who have died but prior to them dying, taught the people the correct methodology. But the people went astray. It's no fault of them. The fault is upon the people. And those individuals who encourage the people to commit these acts of shirk. Calling it by other than its name. So these individuals, when they make dua to other than Allah, or have hope in other than Allah, or slaughter for other than Allah, or make a vow for other than Allah, or seek relief and aid in a matter that only Allah can help them in, but they do it from other than Allah, then these individuals have opposed the statement of Allah, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْلَيْهِ SubhanAllah bihamdi. How can an individual say إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْلَيْهِ at least 17 times a day and then go to a grave? And then call upon Allah. This shows how far many of the people who attribute themselves to Islam are away from understanding the Quran with correct understanding. Ikhwan, it's not enough to just read the Quran, we must understand and implement. If we say, This is something that we say with our tongues, that we believe in our hearts, and that we implement in our actions. We don't say, And then after that, we slaughter an animal for the sheikh at the grave, or for the jinn. As we find from amongst the people who indulge in the practice of sorcery, these individuals, they make sacrifices, offerings to these jinn, to the shayateen, for those devils to help them to be proficient in the skill of sorcery or in the sorcery. This is shirk billah. The shaykh mentioned, they oppose the statement of Allah, you alone Allah we worship, and you alone Allah we seek for help. Acts of worship are the right of Allah. And no one shares in that right. The acts of ibadah are the rights of Allah and no one shares in these rights. So that which is obligatory upon everyone who is responsible and everyone who is held accountable, the person worships Allah alone. It is obligatory upon everyone who has knowledge teach the people. This is an important point. We cannot afford the knowledge for ourselves. We must share the knowledge with the people. Because we want for our brothers and sisters that which we love for ourselves. And this is from Iman. As the Prophet Sallallahu mentioned, That none of you truly believes that he loves for his brother or his sister, that which he loves for himself. So just as we love for ourselves that Allah guide us, and that He bestows upon us beneficial knowledge, accompanied with righteous actions, this is something that we should love for our fellow Muslim brother and sister. 
Just as we love to be individuals who are upon the methodology of the Prophet and the Sahaba, this is something that we should love for our brothers and sisters. We should never be happy that a Muslim has gone astray or that a calamity of misguidance or the calamity of misguidance has befallen a Muslim. This is not something that one should be happy with. Rather, we want good for all of the Muslims. We want that all of the Muslims are guided to the correct path. Are all of the Muslims going to be guided to the correct path? No. The Prophet ﷺ foretold this. We mentioned foretold. And this ummah was split into 73 groups. All of them in the hellfire except for one. The Sahaba they asked, O oh, Messenger of Allah, which group is that? He said, the jama'ah. In another wording, the Prophet ﷺ stated, those who are upon me and my companions are upon today. So the Prophet, he foretold that the Muslims were going to split. There are many, the majority of the Muslims are going to deviate. However, this does not mean we shouldn't want good for all of the Muslims. And that we shouldn't strive to benefit the Muslims. We know what's going to happen, as the Prophet foretold it. But it doesn't remove the obligation from us of teaching the people what's correct and calling the people to what's correct. One can't say, well, the Prophet said the people are going to go astray, so why bother? No, we still have an obligation that's upon us to teach the people what's correct. And as the Prophet sallallahu he said to Ali ibn Abi Talib, لِأَنْ يَهْدِيَ اللَّهِ بِكَ رَجُلًا وَاحِدٍ خَيْرُ لَكَ مِنْ حُمْلِ النَّعْمِ that Allah, He guides by way of you, one person is better for you than the red camels. Red camels at that time was the best camels. So that the Prophet, or Afwan, so that Allah guides one individual by your hand. It's better for you than the best of the possessions. The best of the vehicles we have in this modern time. You ask a person, what's your dream car? The person starts mentioning the most expensive cars, the Mercedes-Benz, the Jaguar, the BMW, the Land Rover, and this car, and the Maybach, and that car, and the Rolls Royce, all of the most expensive cars. That Allah guides someone by your hand is better than all of these cars. And that shows the virtues of giving dollars to the people and it shows the virtues of a person accepting Islam or accepting the truth by your hand. So the Shaykh mentions, وَالْوَاجِبْ عَلَى كُلِّ مَنْ لَدَيْهِ عِلْمْ أَنْ So that which is obligatory upon everyone who has knowledge to teach the people. What the Prophet Wasallam is stating from the hadith of Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu that the best of you are those who learn the Qur'an and then teach it. Learning the Qur'an, Barakallah is not, and teaching it, is not restricted to the ahkam al-tajweed. 
Some people, they think when the Prophet said, the best of you are those who learn the Qur'an and teach it, they figure this is only speaking about the ahkam of tajweed, teaching people how to recite the Qur'an. It includes that, but it's broader than that. Those who learn the rules and regulations of the Qur'an, regarding salah and siyam and other than that, and teach the people, these are the best of the people. And before that, those who learn the correct aqidah that's mentioned in the Qur'an, and he teaches that aqidah to others, this is the best of the people. As Shaykh ibn Baz was questioned, what is the best book of aqidah? And he stated, the Qur'an. The best book to learn your creed from is the book of Allah So if you learn that from the Qur'an and you teach it to others, this is what causes the individual to be from the best of the people. And also teaching the Qur'an is by way of implementing the Qur'an in your life. As Aisha radiallahu anha was questioned about the character of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and she stated, that his character was that of the Qur'an. Meaning when you look at the life of example of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi which you see is the implementation of the Qur'an. And we do not say that the Prophet was the Qur'an walking. Don't say that. Because the Qur'an is Allah's speech. So we don't say that the Prophet was Allah's speech walking. No. We say his character was that of the Qur'an. Meaning, he implemented what was in the Qur'an. That was a means or a method of the Prophet teaching the Qur'an to others through his character. It is obligatory, the Shaykh, he says, to direct the people. Meaning direct them towards that which is beneficial for them. And that which will aid them and help them in their journey to Allah Azza wa Jalla. We want to be individuals who are considered assets to the Ummah and not liabilities. So we must ask ourselves, what have we put forward to aid Allah's religion? What have we done to help the Muslims? What have we done to aid the Muslim community? And I'm not just referring to wealth. That's an aspect. Some people unfortunately, aiding the haq or the truth is just giving your money. And that's it. It's more than that. That's a portion, yes. Alhamdulillah, Islam has been aided by the people's sadaqah. Wealth is used to buy books. The wealth is used to build masajid. The wealth is used to build schools. Now, but that's not it in relation to aiding the deen. Aiding the deen also is by way of directing the people to the correct understanding. Referring the people back to the Quran and the Sunnah with the understanding of the Sahaba. This aspect of aiding the religion is the greatest aspect of aiding the religion. Teaching the religion correctly. Because when there is no more money, or if there is no money present, the teachings still go on. 
the education of the Muslims still go forward. Some individuals, unfortunately, if there's no money, they don't teach. Allah. Connecting da'wah to money. SubhanAllah will be happy. No, if there's no more wealth, this doesn't stop us from teaching. If we don't have a master to teach him, we teach in our apartments, we teach on our jobs, we teach on the buses and on the trains, traveling to and from work and to and from home. We teach in our interaction with the people. Not everybody is going to be a person who has wealth to give. But anyone who has some knowledge to share, then they can be a person who teaches something to the people that will benefit them. The Shaykh, says, it's upon the people to teach his family. And this is very important. We can't neglect our families. We have to teach them that which we know. And even, and the scholars, they mention this, even if you don't teach them directly, then put them in a situation for them to learn. Whether it's from recordings, uh, from CDs or the cassettes for those who still use cassettes. Put them in a situation to learn. Maybe you as an individual can't teach them due to the lack of knowledge or due to the lack of time or other than that. But you put them in a situation where they can learn. You put them in an environment to learn. If you do that, you have done your, you have done your job. You have done that which is upon you to do. So the individual must direct the people to the Tawheed of Allah. And to make an act of worship sincerely for Allah. Allah, He states, O you who believe, save yourselves and your family from a fire whose fuel is men and stones. So from this verse... You begin with yourself. How do you save yourself from the fire? With beneficial knowledge and righteous actions. And how do you save your family? By educating them and being an example for them. As the Prophet ﷺ, he did with his family. During the last nights of Ramadan, the Prophet ﷺ, he will wake up his family for them to get up and pray Qiyamulayn. That's an example of him saving his family from the fire. Not that he just go ahead and pray and then leave them sleeping. No, along with him getting up for prayer, he woke them up. So that they can also do that which will get them closer to Allah. And this is how we must be as men. Saving ourselves and our families from a fire whose fruit is men and stone. Ali ibn Abi Talib. He said that the meaning of saving one's family from the fire is by way of teaching them and disciplining them. By way of teaching them and disciplining them. Some of us, we are afraid to discipline our children. And we are afraid at times to be a little stern with our children. If you don't teach them, who's going to teach them? The teaching starts at home. It's only with so much that we as the imams and the teachers that are here in the masajid that we can do with your children. At home is where it starts. 
we do the best we can. But the parents have to set that foundation and be a support for that which the children learn in the masjid. They have to reinforce it. The child can't come to the masjid and learn the correct mannerisms. Learn the statement of the Prophet وسلم, about the signs of the hypocrite, that when he speaks he lies, and when he promises he breaks his promise. And when he uh, is entrusted, he betrays the trust. Or when he has a covenant, he breaches it. Or when he argues, he's a criminal in his argumentation. A child can't come to the masjid and learn this, and then when he goes home, he sees all of the signs in his father. When his father speaks, he's a liar. Phone ring. Tell him I'm not here. That's Kevin. Teaching your child, Kevin, to be a liar. Father makes a promise, he breaks the promise. Father's entrusted with something, betrays the trust. Father's arguing with the mother, the mother's right, he doesn't accept the truth, and he uses falsehood to prove her wrong. And the child is seeing this. So here, the child has the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that he learned in the masjid, and then he has you. Conflict of interest. Rather, the child needs to have the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ and see the implementation of the hadith in you. This reinforces the matter in the child. And likewise, the mother. The girls can't learn from the female ustada about modesty and covering, and then the mother, she doesn't cover. Well, the girl hears about the ayat of covering, but her mother doesn't cover. And the girl hears about the importance of the righteous woman guarding in their husband's absence that which Allah will have them guard. And soon as the husband walks out the door, party time with the wife. The daughter is watching her. So now the wife is teaching the daughter how to betray her husband behind his back. But she heard in the in, in, in the ayat in the in the with the ustada or the Muslim teacher, the Muslimah who's, who's our teacher, about how the righteous women are who are devoutly obedient to Allah and God in their husbands' absence that which Allah will have in God. No, they need to see in their mothers that which they learn. And the madaras for the banat. This is how we save ourselves and our families from the fire whose fuel is men and stones. And likewise, and most importantly, the affairs of Aqidah. Allah mentions, Don't despair from the mercy of Allah, teaching us to have trust in Allah and have hope with Allah. We read these things, our children, they hear them, but do they see it in the practice of the parents? Very important, Ikhwan, we have to be examples for our children in order that they benefit from a live, living example in front of their faces. And not just something that they hear. Like we benefit from our scholars. They are a live example of the religion being implemented. So it helps us.
to remain to function. So the statement of Allah Ta'ala, Ya Yuhaladina Amanu, who and Fusakuma Ahlikum Nara, Wakuluhan Nasu Wal Hijara, all you who believe, save yourselves and your family from a fire whose fuel is men and stones. Again, this is by way of adorning ourselves with beneficial knowledge and righteous actions, and then, and then teaching this to our families, and not being negligent in this regard. Sheikh Ibn Baz, rahimahullah ta'ala, he states, فَعَلَى جَمِيعِ الْمُكَلَّفِينَ أَنْ يَعْبُدُوا اللَّهِ وَأَنْ يَخُصُّوهُ بِالْعِبَادَةِ بِدُعَائِهِمْ وَذَبْحِهِمْ وَنَثْرِهِمْ وَصَلَاتِهِمْ وَصَوْمِهِمْ وَغَيْرِ هَذَا مِنَ الْعِبَادَةِ بِهَذَا نَعْلَمْ أَنَّ مَا يَفْعَلُهُ بَعْضُ الْجُهَلَ عِنْدَ الْقُبُورِ قُبُورِ الصَّالِحِينَ أَوْ مَنْ يَزْعُمْ أَنَّهُمْ صَالِحُونَ مِنْ دُعَائِهِمْ أَوْ الْإِسْتِغَاثَ بِهِمْ أَوْ النَّظْرَ لَهُمْ أَنَّ هَذَا هُوَ الشِّرْكُ الْأَكْبَرُ وَهَذَا دِينُ الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ يَجِبُ الْحَبْدُ مِنْ ذَلِكَ The Shaykh says, it is obligatory upon everyone who is held accountable that they worship Allah and they designate all acts of worship to be for Allah. Their dua, their slaughtering, their vows, their prayer, their fasting, and other than this from the acts of worship. So based upon this we know that which some of the ignorant people they do at the graves the graves of the righteous or those whom they claim to be righteous for making dua to these individuals who are dead in their graves or seeking relief from them or making vows for them this is a shirk al-akbar this is major shirk and this is the religion of jahiliyyah meaning this is what the people used to do prior to the coming of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and before that the people of Nuh this is what they used to do prior to Nuh being sent to them, worshiping the righteous. No matter how righteous an individual may be, he is not entitled to any of the acts of ibadah. Even if it is our beloved Prophet Muhammad When you go to Medina, you see this. People trying to get to the grave of the Prophet Individuals making dua to the Prophet Wallahi, this is haram. You go in the Kaaba, you go around the Kaaba, you hear individuals making tawaf around the Kaaba, saying words of shirk. Oh, so-and-so, aid us, help us, yeah, Shaykh. Going around the Kaaba. The house that Ibrahim and Ismail built for the ibadah of Allah, people calling upon other than Allah. This is the state that we find the people in. But we have to teach the people. We have to educate them. We can't remain silent and then just leave the people to do what they do. We have to be assets of this ummah and aid the religion of Allah, as Allah mentioned in Tawsurullah and Surah. If you help Allah, Allah will help you. Meaning if you help Allah's religion, then Allah will help you. Inshallah ta'ala will stop at this point. Whatever is correct. Praises for Allah Azza wa Jalla Allah.
whatever's incorrect is from myself. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika shadu wa la ilaha anta istaghfiruka wa atubu ilayka.